Okay. So we th- <laughs> your, your leaf blower <laughs> with the power of your leaf blower and my train. <laughs> this is the lawnmower <laughs> right outside the window. Oh, he's got a cigarette too. Big old long cigarette hanging out of his mouth. episode of grilled cheese and gin is brought to you by dumb travel apps dumb travel apps they help remind you to buy your tickets get them cheap and keep your eyes on where else you should be traveling to for super cheap just remember when you get an alert cross check the airline website and all of your other favorite travel websites you never know who's going to have the cheapest price travel apps should totally be our sponsor this is the Grilled Cheese and Gin podcast about womaning and realizing your changeable dream. This is episode four, Traveling. Let's unpack that. I'm Jessica Jet Setter Heard. And I'm Vacation Vicky Scott, welcoming you to the pod. Grilled Cheese and Gin, the podcast where we talk about realizing your changeable dream and we listen to women much more experienced than us about their zigzag path towards those moving targets. In this episode, we'll be talking about travel, affording it, making it fit into our lives, and figuring out how to still have fun while traveling for work. And what about traveling abroad? Can you be a tourist in your hometown? These are just some of the questions we are discussing in this week's episode. Then we have a fascinating interview with one of my best friends, Megan, about moving to South Korea and teaching for a year. But first, let's catch up. So what have you been up to this week? How's your life plan going? So um, I am uh, back into a little bit of anxiety, which I was hoping to flick away <laughs> every day for the rest of my life. Um, but yes, I am not earning anything right now. I'm spending a lot of energy and time on this, which is surprising uh, because it does, I'm not finished editing even the first pot, the first one. But pretty much every other moment is doing this. So I, I need to um, be a little bit more busy and get on the stick and do some d- gigging research, I think, to start with and just schedule some things in where I will uh, make some money. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like on one hand, I kind of, I just, I don't want to like not do this well. And so my tendency is when I don't, when I when I want something to go well, I want everything else to go away and not bother me. And I just want to focus and do that thing. And then, of course, I have these other other things that I, I mean, except for the things that are fun, like <laughs> my Alexander Technique classes that I'm taking. We're going on vacation at the end of the month. We're coming to visit Woo! you. Woohoo! Um, and I, I'm just, we're going out to see shows just trying to get to know the area and the neighborhoods or and we're also uh condo shopping so 
that takes up some t- some amount of time. Um, I am definitely uh, to be completely vulnerably honest, if that's even a word, those two words. Honest is a word, but vulnerably, I'm not sure. It is, yeah, I, I need to get on the stick and do some things and figure some stuff out. I'm thinking of rehashing my LinkedIn because right now it's sending me a lot of jobs that are very much like what I did before. And I think I just need to come to the conclusion or, you know, really face the fact that I don't want that. I need to go 100% all in on this gigging, I think, right now and see what that can do. I definitely have even more anxiety looking at those jobs. So that's where I am. Vicki, I heard you were thinking about teaching a class. How very side hustle of you. How very side hustle of me. Yes, I I am thinking about teaching a class. I'm thinking about working at uh, Northfield Arts Guild, which is the the group in town that produces all of the plays and does all of the visual art and all that stuff. And they just started opening up more creative writing classes and they're currently looking for creative writers. And I have an excellent referral from one of their teachers. So it would be very easy for me to slide in there. But the trouble that I'm having is that I don't know what I would want to teach. And it's very (laughs) self-driven. So you walk in there and say, hey, I want to teach this class, and here's how I'm going to promote it. And then they're like, okay, here's some money. And you're like, oh, uh, uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think you get paid based on how many students you get and all that stuff. So it's exactly like yoga teacher training. And obviously I want to like try to make it about doing our doula stuff. Sometimes I might want to make it about something that I'm working on uh, with my novel. But I'm acutely aware that this could lead to more teaching work. So I don't know how I really feel about that. Because I kind of want to just be a fun teacher. I don't really want to be a, hey, let me lure you to this collegiate environment and kill your soul. Is this so this is at the where is this again? This is at the it's the NAG. It's the Northfield Art Guild. Guild. Oh, so wouldn't this be like you could do the yoga plus you know, creative writing, right? Yeah, no, I totally could. And I would just pitch it and then they would say, yeah. And then if it didn't work, they Is, wouldn't ask me back. But that, I mean. Would that would that be fun for you? Oh, though? it would It would be very fun. Yeah, so I, I basically just have to figure out what I am willing to put time and energy into right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I You've got to have, you must have like ideas of some sort of like, well, for one class, we would t- probably do like 60 minutes of this. And for another class, we would do 60 minutes of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, what are your kind of... Because you can do a semester long class and you can do a one off class and you can do like two weekends in January or, you you know, you could do whatever. It, it's so... <laughs> it's an art guild. So it's like, whatever you want, man. <laughs> <laughs> We'll help you promote so, it. And it's like a it's a place that people look to to like do stuff in town related to art. So it's a, a well-known place. And if they listed it among their classes available, you already have that. And then if you promote it yourself, you, you have that. So there's a good chance I would get a decent number of students. Yeah. If you used... So what's the deadline to get into their next... 
printing or announcement or whatever. Whatever, man. Like, <laughs> just send it to me. Just send me your course description, man. It's not that bad. It's not. And I've, I guess I'm painting these people into hippy-dippy of a, of a light. But, yeah. Uh, soon. Like, I have to say, they probably want the fall schedule done by the end of July. I would, I would assume that that is what they're aiming for. So I have to think about what I want to teach in December right now, which is a oh, problem. So you would teach, so it would be December, not like what do maybe try one out in September and other in October. And yeah, yeah I would, I would want to do it like that, but I would want to like, if I'm going to do a series that builds on itself, I would have to think about that. And I haven't had the brain space for it at the moment. So right now it's just, it's yeah. just this ephemeral thing that's haunting my dreams. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Well, and then there's the other thing that's been haunting my dreams is the fact that Aubrey got into boot camp too. Oh, wow. There was this moment where she had more time and we were spending time together. And she just, she texted me today at work. She's like, should I skip practice and hang out with you? We haven't seen each other in a week. I'm like, well, I can't do it today because I'm podcasting. So <laughs> skip practice another night. <laughs> oh, but that's an interesting point. Like, would you, I don't know, I'm not r super good at this, but would you um, be like, oh, I could schedule my class nights on the nights that she has her practice? Yeah, so I would. I would definitely be like, okay, what's your derby schedule? All right, these the nights that I'm absolutely definitely free. And it, what's nice about class, these kind of classes, is that it's like, okay, they they sometimes just like give you the key to the building, and then you just go in, teach your class, make sure everybody's out of the building, lock up when you're done. So it awesome. can be any time of the day. We're very Minnesotan here in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no problem just do whatever you're gonna do here's how you turn off the lights <laughs> wow that's super exciting uh and yeah so how long is boot camp too this one goes until oh god i don't know hold on let me look is it like a four-week thing no oh really so okay oh my god her last scheduled oh nope i found some more Oh my gosh. All right. Her last scheduled boot camp is September 18th. Oh my gosh. And then there are tryouts and the, from or team picking or Yeah, so and then there are scrimmages draft. and then there are drafts from the scrimmage and then she'll be on a team. Like it like this boot camp butts right up with the season. So it's possible she will not get any time off ever again. Because I assume she's going to get on a team at this point. At this point, I'm just, like, making myself okay with her never being around again. <laughs> I'm, no. I'm preparing the funeral blanket. I am. Oh, no. I am dressing in black. <laughs> oh, my God. This is turning into grad school again. <laughs> oh, don't say that. So, Vicky, talking about travel and unpacking this, what are your travel plans this summer? Or do you have any? And you guys just did a fantastic, uh, huge, huge Japan trip. Yeah. So our our summer basically just filled right up with all of the stuff that 
Aubrey's doing, the stuff that I'm doing. So we're probably not going to be traveling very much this summer. Um, Our initial plan for the summer is always, okay, let's just travel around our area. Go on hikes in the state parks and, you know, go see waterfalls, go see whatever. So although we're still planning on doing that, it's probably going to be throwing a lot of energy into our project. And then, okay, we just need a break. And like going out to the lake and sitting on the beach and being like, I'm done for now. Nope. <laughs> nope. I just nice. I'm just done. Little side trips here and there. We obviously get to see you guys. We obviously I'm probably going to set up a date to go see a family friend and do s'mores out at her house. My nice. yoga group is trying to stay pretty active during the summer and get together and one of our one of luckily one of my yoga friends has a beach house so oh nice well, it's not called a beach house here it's called a lake house but it's literally like oh she's got a pontoon and a dock and like a water trampoline and like <gasps> it's ridiculous wow i might just i might just see if it's okay for me to go out there whatever i want i don't know maybe i'll just see if i could just go out there and be like i'm gonna go just swim out to your it's like a diving platform platform yeah Yeah. i'm gonna swim out to her platform and just lay out there and have no internet connection and just stare at the clouds and that is all i'm gonna do (laughs) that sounds phenomenal (laughs) like focus on the clouds (laughs) (laughs) oh and so like i said people are coming you people are coming to us so you're coming to us our um beth who was in our jobs episode it might be coming up and we're hoping that our cousins are going to come. They were supposed to come this weekend, but I think everything kind of fell through for them. So maybe they'll plan another trip. Yeah. yeah. So it was always interesting in Vegas um, when we lived there. Uh, I worked for Vegas.com, so I was able to – I knew about a lot that was in town and kind of new stuff. But I remember that the – Shortly after we moved there, we had some friends come and visit us, which is pretty typical for Vegas. And they, well, there are just always friends coming into town that you would never see otherwise. Mm -hmm. But they were just, they were like on their annual Vegas trip. And they had done so much really cool research. And they took us to all these restaurants and all of these places in town that we had no idea about, did not know anything, hadn't heard of them. They weren't in the regular paper or the, you know, magazine rags, the weekly magazines. And so we were like, oh, crap, we are not good at this. We are not good about being tourists in our own town. When I would live in, or go to visit cities, and I still do this to a certain extent, I would go to the um, Visitors Authority or I would go to the Convention and Visitors Bureau or their site, or I would look up things in timeout if the city had a timeout or, some, you know, we, we get books. In LA, actually, we, I mean, I've been looking at those kinds of magazines and I, I kind of tore through them and some of them are better than others. But we got this book called Not for Tourists Guide of Los Angeles. So that has a lot of interesting stuff about where to visit and where to go. And then also like Gold Star has some great ideas. So I, I mean, we, other than visiting you guys in, um, starting in Wisconsin and going up to visit you and then going to Chicago, I think that's going to be like the really big trip. But Staying around town, I think we're going to try to go to, like, the Museum of Ice Cream, <laughs> provided it's still open. We're 
going to go down to Anaheim and go to Disneyland. And earlier in the year, we got passes to go to Universal Studios because it's so close. It's like five minutes away from our place. So um, it's blacked out for all of July, but we went twice in June and I think we'll probably go back again probably later in the year maybe fall and if somebody comes to visit I did get a wand but I haven't done any of the walk around town do spells stuff so I'm definitely looking to recruit somebody to come (laughs) visit me and and uh so we can go around town and wave our wands at things which sounds phallic and it is (laughs) That's what a wand is. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's going to be the big thing. And trying to see movies, uh, you know, people that we like. We're trying to go to comedy clubs. Oh, the other thing is I'm trying to take off going to see all the studios. Mm. So going to check out, like, we went to Universal Studios, obviously. Um, but then we, and we did the tour there. And I'm also, uh, I want to do the Sony Pictures Tour. And, or Sony Studio Tour. And then also... Um, there's one that I'm going to this weekend uh, on the Warner Brothers lot. And you can take a tour there on Saturday. So I'm excited to check that out. It's not super tourism because it's not totally for fun. It's literally just so I can be like, oh, okay, this is what this place looks like. Mm-hmm. This is what parking is like. So if I needed to go here, this is what this is. So I don't. So it doesn't feel like crazy intimidating to sort of know the landscape of the area being practical with your stuff yes yeah so so speaking of these vacations um one of the things that i'm really interested in knowing is um well at the at the top in the commercial you talked about um dem travel apps and so i'm totally curious about those because i always feel like i'm spending way too much money which is the second segue uh into because you went to Japan in May and you told me that you spent way less than you had even budgeted and that fascinated me for the two of you to be able to go to Japan, which is generally known as one of the more expensive places in the world to visit. Um, like, how the heck did you do that? Um, we use the normal type of places like Priceline and Airbnb. Uh, in Paris, we did VBRO, which is similar to Airbnb. Um, I can't remember what it stands for, but VBRO. I I had, when I worked at Vegas.com, we were considered travel agents. So I had an IOTA card, which is uh, an international association of travel agents. And uh, they were supposed to, as you know, because you were a travel agent, you were supposed to be learning about like the rooms at Marriott and this, this airline and their pricing and how the, all that works. Um, so a lot of tours and attractions and hotels would supposedly have discounts available for travel agents, but a lot of times it was very cumbersome to manage and it was like the timing for where I wanted to go and do something was never useful. The other thing that we would do is go in off season, which really wasn't purposeful. It was just, it would just happen that way that because of the way his editing schedule would work with his magazine, he couldn't really get away at times when normal people were having vacations. So we would end up going when it was freaking cold in like December or in, or in March, that's when we had gone to Paris. And so we've just been on all these freezing cold vacations, which are great because I'm not super comfortable with the beach, but 
you went to Japan like pretty much right after or right during their cherry blossom festival and you went for very inexpensively like please share your wisdom (laughs) so it was at the end of the cherry blossom season it was it was the end of may beginning of june uh so we didn't we didn't contend with any of that traffic and it was definitely all done and over with the only like remnants of cherry blossom season were like still cherry flavored prepackaged items like kit kats and stuff um (laughs) we basically for this trip we had a timeline so we knew we wanted to go for aubrey's birthday so that was completely locked in stone but we knew two years in advance like that we were going to go. So I started looking pretty much as soon as flights became available, as soon as they had their little calculator out. I just haunted the site. So figure out the sites that you like to look at, whether that's kayak, whether that's Travelocity or Priceline or whatever. But what I go, I do is I go on to the Googler and go into their flights area, put in, I put in my dates and I put in that we're two people and I had a, a fairly flexible time frame because again, I knew that about this way in advance. So I could basically adjust it as long as it was in a reasonable amount of time I could adjust it to fit like Aubrey's time off and my ability to take time off and all of that stuff and just kind of looked at that time frame and then when I noticed that prices were starting to drop I would go on to uh, all of their websites because Google is a compiler it's not necessarily you're not necessarily going to be able to buy stuff through them so then after I figured out like who was offering the cheapest prices, I would go onto their websites. I would go onto like kayak and stuff and see if those were offering really cheap rates. And basically almost always you find it on the airline's website for the cheapest price. I don't know if that's just my experience, but one of the, like when I was planning the trip to London and I was, or actually it was when we were going to Aberdeen I got a really stellar price and I went on to the website. Like I clicked through the way I was supposed to, to go and book it and it wouldn't give me the price. So I ended up calling the airline and talking to the guy and being like, Hey, this is the price that I see. It won't let me buy it for that price. Um, what's the deal? And he was able to adjust it for me and give me the really incredibly low price. Nice. Yeah. That's fantastic. So you just kind of got to be persistent and know what you're looking for. The other thing is, if you can't be flexible with your dates for your airline tickets and you must pay more for them for, you know, because you're going on peak season or whatever, be really flexible with your accommodation. Like we used Airbnb and it was ridiculously cheap. Wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. And did you kind of set, did you look at what hotel rooms were and then just sort of and compare that against Airbnb even or did you just not even bother? I didn't even bother because it was like $40 a night. Wow. For this little tiny, it was a tiny, tiny apartment, but it had, you know, you have your own toilet, you have a place to sleep and you have a sink, you know, in these like little, it's like a, an economy apartment, I guess. It's for bachelors and business people where it's about the size of, it's much, I don't even know what that's the size of. It's about the size of a closet, but you can lay down in it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Did it have a shower or was that kind of like down the hall or No, something? it had a shower. It had a shower and oh. your your own little toilet. It was completely self-sustaining because it had a cooktop and a microwave and a refrigerator. But it was all oh like gosh. little tiny refrigerators. So, yeah, we would like go to the convenience store and stock up on sandwiches and rice balls and whatever we could heat, like ramen cups and stuff like that. And toss all of that in the pantry it wasn't a pantry it was just like a cupboard (laughs) and then we'd eat out of that and we we had to pay more for um well we didn't have to i wanted to go to hakone and go to the hot springs so we took off one night and went down to hakone and it got a little bit more expensive of a hotel and had a really good time there that's right because you got your own mineral pool yeah or mineral bath inside your yes. room. That's nice. Yes. I have tattoos, so I was I had to if I wanted to participate in the hot tub, <laughs> I had to have my own in my bedroom. Wow, so that's good stuff. So the the sites they I mean this is a dumb question, but do, were you just checking them or did you get alerts too, like email alerts or? You know, I used to be on all of those alerts. Like I would get a daily compiling of an email and I used to have them all set up on my phone but they just annoyed the crap out of me so oh. I I would rather dictate the time and the day that I go and look at stuff so when I think of it when I think of it and I have 10 minutes I go look at it and yeah I, I'm sure I've missed some stellar fantastic deals and if you are a person that doesn't care that like these things are going to bother you like three or four times a day maybe just go ahead and let them let them alert you or if you're just looking for like if you set it up so it just alerts you to like the cheapest ticket ever <laughs> and you're like wow $50 <laughs> to Ireland yeah I'm buying that you can do that but I was looking for something in particular and I was looking often enough you know that yeah nice and I mean, once you once you set up a Google, like if you go in and once you set up the the parameters on Google, it'll say a, a flight you were looking at ha- is declining in price, or the flight you were looking at just shot up dramatically. So you kind of have an idea of the ebb and flow of things. Wait, if you set that up in in Google, it just volunteers that, or it volunteers that information. I have a Google phone. So, oh, like a Google alert? So I don't know what to – it's kind of a Google alert. It's in the area where all my baseball stats are <laughs> and the <laughs> – all of the um, – yeah, where my reminders and stuff are. So it's kind of a secondary screen oh. that I have on my phone. But I'm sure that it ha- will find a way to do it to anybody who puts in their information into Google. yeah. Nice. So what is your biggest travel hack or non-travel hack? Travel related hack. You already kind Um, of talked about the IATA thing, but. Yeah. And I'm not part of that anymore because I don't work for Vegas.com. I guess we were pretty proud and my parents had given us this tip about Paris walks and London walks. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's going to those places, that was a really fun, those, you don't have to make a reservation for the tour. 
uh, you can just look at their calendar, see what they're doing, and then go. You can make a, I think you can actually maybe set up something special for yourself, but, and certainly you can use websites, excuse me, like Viator or um, Babel. I just found out about the other day. You can use those to book tours and, and pay in advance for them and just show up. But with Paris Walks and London Walks, um, you just go to their website, look at what they have scheduled, and then show up at the place where they say and bring your money and give it to the person who is uh, hosting the walk. And you go with them, and they have all this historical information, and it's super deep. And uh, you just you see places in Paris and London that you never would have thought to notice or come across and you would have had to put together a whole like historical document in order to figure it out yourself. It, those were both were really, really fun. And the the part about the flexibility that's really cool is that we had wanted to go on one when we were in Paris uh, and we didn't end up going because the night before we had stopped at a bar and that was on our list from a book that we, we'd read it in a book, <laughs> a, a, a a, a fancy book and um, we were like oh let's go to this bar and we hadn't eaten I just kept telling Jacob to buy drinks super bad mistake and so he just was completely hung over and nauseous the next day and so I uh, could not make it out of mm-hmm. the house uh, until th- that afternoon and that was completely fine because we had not paid for the tour. Mm-hmm. It made for a nice flexibility. Whereas when we were leaving, our our doctor, actually, it was really funny, our um, our internist or general doctor, family doctor, was like, oh, you're going on a trip? Uh, here, you need some drugs to sleep on the plane. <laughs> and then uh, and we were like, oh, holy crap, okay, thanks. Uh, and then she was like, oh, you guys should totally get a car, book a car, for, and then uh, here, call this person, and they will drive you all the way around town. And we did kind of look at, into that, but those are doctor prices mm-hmm. where somebody takes you in like basically a limo or you know a Lincoln town car, and then like drives you around and gives you the tour information that you may be looking for, but or interested in, but uh, it's so fast one, and then two, it's just it's insanely expensive. So we were to have a private tour like that. So as cool as it sounded, we were like, yeah, we are not that uh, class in life. So <laughs> <laughs> we will stick with the thing where we just give somebody seventeen euro or. <laughs> 10 euro or whatever it was at the time I can't remember um, and show up when it is convenient for our hangover yeah I completely agree with you about the um, the tours we did a Harry Potter tour and it was I think we got hooked up with it through something and I think we did pay ahead of time but it was like literally 20 bucks you know it was it was a very inexpensive and it was just this guy who was a total riot and this was some one of his little jobs that he does on the side and he like had a wand and he had a like a harry potter scarf and he knew all these harry potter things and you could tell that there were some things that like the the quote-unquote tour company that he worked for wanted him to cover because he had like a little clipboard but then there were things he added in that were just from him knowing a lot about Harry Potter and all of that stuff. So I definitely recommend finding those little tours. We also like taking tours from locals. Like we did that in Aruba. You can, because oh. you can get off the boat and like you could schedule stuff on the cruise to like they're going to take you to do stuff. But we're like, okay, but 
your thing costs like $97 and this guy has a bus and it's going to cost me $8. So I'm going to go in. <laughs> I'm going to go with him and he knows where to go and then he also has all of the restaurant recommendations and all of the, you know, yes. all of that stuff. So yeah, just they also have on Air like on they have these websites too where like if you're going to a non-english speaking country there are sometimes people who will give you tours who want to practice english so it'll oh, yeah. so it'll be in english because they're practicing english with you but they're also like for example native japanese speakers or like little old people who are trying to get better with their english cuz they didn't like grow up with english they're trying to learn it now or they've been trying to learn it for the last several years and so they know everything and they know the whole history and they've lived there their whole lives and so you just like get the local insider perspective from like your little your grandma type person or your like really cool awesome grandma type person but (laughs) (laughs) um people are definitely willing to talk to you too so if you meet somebody at like you know in a bar at a hostel or whatever you kind of feel it out use your gut but usually they're cool to hang out with because it's just like making friends in any other place if you start to feel uncomfortable just like moonwalk out of the situation but (laughs) (laughs) i love that (laughs) i've got to go bye i asked this to ronnie too what is your biggest travel hack like what do you what is the one thing that you always have to do when you're traveling? So my travel hack is more of a lesson than hack at this point. I've trained myself um, to always carry my yoga mat, my yoga clothes, and like workout clothes with me because there's always an opportunity to like go for a run or go for a hike or go for, you know, go outside and you just need some outside clothes. So I've trained myself to bring exercise clothes with me, but now I have to train myself to bring a swimsuit, like an all-purpose swimsuit, not your, oh, I'm just sitting by the pool bikini or your, oh yeah, I'm hardcore swimming. I need the one that like is a full body suit and will like make me aerodynamic, but just like your regular all-purpose swimsuit, because I've been now in two situations where I definitely could have gone swimming and actually wanted to, and I wasn't able to because I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to have time or I'm not going to want to. So just need to, just need to constantly be putting that swimsuit in your bag because you never know when the opportunity is going to come up, especially, yeah, especially if there's like a hot tub, which is the last, like when I was in Iowa City, there was a hot tub and I'm like, what? Why don't I have my swimsuit? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's totally valuable. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to figure out how to get I I need to get a better pair of tennis shoes that will be a little bit more compact and because I don't like carrying big bags with me. I like to carry a small roller, but it's always comes down to uh, how to figure out the flexibility of shoes and that, that running shoes can be very meaty. Nowadays, they can be very thin and you can and very compact, but sometimes some styles of them can be very big. And that's very, uh, that just gets in the way of everything. Like, cause you know, yoga clothes, you can roll up very small swimsuit. You can roll up very small. So if you use it or you don't use it, it's there, but it's not taking up a ton of mm-hmm. space that you regret, uh, not using. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is that if you have the opportunity to wash your clothes, like if you're going on 
let's say you're going on a 10-day trip, you can pack for three days if you have an opportunity to wash your clothes. And what Aubrey and I did this last trip, uh, because we didn't know, we first of all, you don't want to buy a whole bottle of laundry detergent when you get there. But you also don't want to try to have to carry a laundry detergent with you. Those little um, packets, you know what I'm talking about? They're like, the laundry detergent and the softener and everything in one and it's like this big and it's in a little plastic packet oh like a little pod like a keurig pod kind of thing oh yeah you can buy like 10 of those at target in a little bag and then you can just take two with you when you travel and then like you know roll up a dryer sheet and put it in like a little plastic bag and then you literally take up no space and you don't have to worry about trying to find laundry detergent so that yeah. was another thing uh, about our Airbnb that we really liked is that they, it was a shared laundry facility, but that was totally fine with us because it wasn't bothering anybody for us to do it at four o'clock in the morning because it was like out outside of the, like no one was going to wake up if we did laundry and we had, jet, nice. we had jet lag. So we did our laundry at four o'clock in the morning, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I also used to buy a little plastic you know the things you put your shampoo in I would just put wool light in those and call it wool light and put it in with my toiletries but that that takes up space Mm -hmm. that a pod might be better for so we talked a little about about traveling that we do it that we love it Um, we're kind of pro traveling here but what are some reasons reasons that we travel one you have to travel to visit family uh, probably in this a lot of us in this world now live very separate from our family and you know brothers and sisters may live in a separate place even from where our parents live and if you have step parents and grandparents may live in an entirely different place from even where your parents are so we're all very separate when I lived in Vegas I usually wanted to travel literally just because I wanted to put my eye sockets on something else that wasn't orange and yellow (laughs) and brown (laughs) I wanted to see some big trees went to Portland uh, for my 40th birthday uh, strictly because I was like, yeah, I want to look at some trees. And Jacob ended up finding us some food tours, which is really fun because Portland has great food to great food and food trucks and stuff. It's a really big deal there. Seeing the trees and we ended up going to a really beautiful rose garden as well. That was the trees was definitely a big part. And I, I just I would just get so restless living there. And I guess another reason before I before Vegas and before before being married, I had sort of a really old world grand tour kind of vision for travel and eat, pray, love kind of Western woman travel point of view where I looked at travel as a means for acquiring inspiration and understanding Mm -hmm. future careers or understanding myself or understanding relationships or for me particularly it was uh under seeing other works of art and being able to absorb them and acquire them so like uh, understanding other times like taking the historical tours learning about costumes and other places other ways of living in the past or even in the present um finding out about things that are very common things that are very different just because in plays you've do come across things where you're like, that is, that seems so anachronistic. It's so different from the way I would handle that. Or I think anybody right now would handle that. So what's going on there? And then come to find out, oh, this is a regional, this is something 
unique to this country or somewhat, you know, maybe you can make a generalization about a country and their point of view or a region and a region's point of view. You, you can add a lot more value in a play by understanding something the way that what the character is saying, or even if you're directing it and like the vision of what's going on on stage by understand by kind of absorbing the um, what you might call like the genesis of this the space, if that's the right word. Anyway, so I I did that. And I I actually became very kind of snobby about it because I just never really understood how people could travel and just go sit on a beach. Like that made no sense to me (laughs) until much later in life. This episode is brought to you by always stealing the hotel toiletries. They come in handy, yo. You never know when you'll need a toothbrush or an individually wrapped Q-tip. Those hotel toiletries, they save your butt every time. Now we'll hear from my dear friend Megan, who took some time off to teach in South Korea. We're going to talk about her experience, how she got prepped, and how she was able to travel through South Korea while she lived there. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. I mean, I literally woke up to your text message. All right. <laughs> do you want me to like do some dancing and get you ready? <laughs> I'm going to have some really good sound bites. <laughs> yes, you are. All right. Anyway, so joining me today is Megan. She is a longtime friend. We've known each other since high school, and we've also uh, traveled together. And one of the things that I wanted to talk to her about is the fact that she went on an amazing adventure a few years ago. She went and taught in Korea for a year. We will be discussing a little bit about planning for that process, a little bit about how she prepared and how she decided on her program. And then also, while she was over there, she was a little bit of a traveler within the country of Korea. So I wanted to discuss that with her, too. So welcome to Grilled Cheese and Gin. How are you this morning? I am doing well. How are you? I'm super peppy. It's not morning anymore for me. It's almost noon, but we're we're in in different time zones. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. It's definitely morning for me. Big, broad, sweeping question. You went to South Korea for a year to teach. How did you decide that you wanted to do that? Like, how did you come to the conclusion that you wanted to go teach? That's a very fabulous question. I had always wanted to live abroad. I had always wanted to do a study abroad. Um, Studying anthropology, I felt like that was kind of a mandatory requirement. Um, but study abroad's never really happened for me. Um, things always came up, whether it was financial or uh, knee surgery. And so they just they just didn't happen. And so I decided I would do it after I graduated and make some money. And originally, I was planning on going into JET, which is the Japanese English teacher program, because I had been studying Japanese in school, and I had actually several friends who had gone through the JET program. But interestingly enough, at one point shortly before I was going to apply, I had met a bunch of Koreans and through school, through our um, 
coffee talk hour for the international students and really came to get to know them very well and they became very good friends of mine. After getting to know that culture a little bit more, I kind of felt like I would fit in better there. And I watched the the blog Simon Martina mm-hmm. and or from Eat Your Kimchi. Um, they're now in Japan. So I don't know. I think it's Eat Your Sushi now. <laughs> That's how I got turned on to the program Epic which is the program that I went through because they um, they moved from Canada to Korea. And in several of their videos, they talked about their um, process and why they chose this program. And I started doing research and then they came to the campus and I went to their meeting and went, okay, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, Epic came. I thought you were saying Simon and Martina came to campus. No, 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 no. Epic. Came. Oh, Epic I was came. like, what? You didn't tell me you met Simon and Martina. How dare you? No, but I have walked by their uh, Isha Kimchi studio in Korea many times. I know I was there one at a time. <laughs> But I yeah, actually, so I went to their neighborhood, Kichijoji, while I was in Japan. Asterisk, just a little aside. So I was just, like... Just a little. Let's, let's just pour some salt in that wound. <laughs> but yeah, so Epic came. They did a seminar at my school. And I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. Signed up and put in my application. Went through some interviews. And off I went in well, short term. Well, 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 that's not exactly how it happened. So go, actually go through it. So you went through the interview and got it. But didn't you have to get English language certified and all of that stuff? Like what was the process there? So you don't have to. Oh, really? Uh, at, at least at the time when I was there, you just their minimum requirement was a bachelor's degree, as is the majority of cases for teaching English abroad. The, the majority of programs just require a bachelor's degree and it doesn't even have to be in English. But I wanted the pay bump and I wanted to be better prepared. Um, so I went through and took a TASEL certification through American TASEL Institute. It was an online program and I went through the program and it took me about six-ish, seven-ish weeks. I plowed through it pretty quickly on some days and other days I was like, I'm not going to do anything because, <laughs> you know, finals. It definitely helped prepare me mentally on the difference between how we view English natively versus how they view it non-natively mm-hmm. so it was it was definitely helpful um and it made my paychecks a little bit nicer <laughs> which allowed you to do all of the other fun things that we'll get to talk about but before you left like how did you prepare yourself did you just like grab a few things stick them in a suitcase and go did you save up for a while like how did you how did you prepare not just mentally but also like financially well i watched a lot of videos from Because, you know, YouTube has everything now. And so I I went on and looked at a bunch of Epicers. And Epicers, us being people who were in Epic, um, to clarify that. um, Epicers and stuff like that who had been doing videos and how they prepared to go. I went on and looked at blogs and stuff for packing lists. And we weren't necessarily in a very good financial position. So we were actually very afraid that I wasn't going to be able to buy my plane ticket to get there. Mm. Even though I was going to be reimbursed, I had to get it in first place. Right. <laughs> I was very fortunate that I had my cousin, um, Vern, come to my rescue, as he's done a couple of times, because he's amazing, and get my plane ticket for me. And so that part was awesome. But I didn't have a whole lot of money that first month I was there. We did try to save up a bit. but So I packed everything that I could think of that I would need until my first paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um which was towels and shampoo and conditioner and potty wash and toothpaste and toothbrushes and like 
a lot of the stuff that I packed, I didn't need to because I easily can get it there. Mm-hmm. But because I was concerned with how much money I actually had um, and how I was going to be able to pay for food and stuff like that, because I didn't really know how expensive life was going to be there. I just packed everything under the sun that I could think of. <laughs> so did that help you out in the long run? Like, did you end up just going through your stuff and saving a little bit of money that way? Um, well, especially because think- you didn't have to buy towel you know you didn't have to buy sheets the towels was definitely something that was a good thing to bring because towels in korea are a little bit different they're so what what americans think of as hand towels are the towels that they use uh to dry off their body and the majority of the time like they don't at least when i was there they don't really have regular towels those are hard to find like regular sized big body towels like what we're used to in America. So I was very happy that I brought a couple of those to be safe. Looking back on it, I didn't necessarily need to bring the size of shampoo and conditioner that I brought and some of that stuff because we went to Costco and Sam's Club and bought the gigantic bottles. So they lasted me forever. And I don't know if I would say it saved us money or not because we ended up spending money here that I could have used there instead for it. But that's all water under the bridge at this point. Yeah. So you did it kind of on a shoestring budget. Was I that... think shoestring was a little overstatement there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, but it's proof that you it can be done and oh, you, yeah. you can be conservative in those ways. Mm-hmm. So you the way that you found this program in the first place is you were, you were a pretty outgoing, pretty gregarious person. Do you think that's something that suited you well to the environment in Korea or were or does it not matter like do you have to be a super outgoing person no i don't think you have to be there's there's a lot of different aspects of of traveling that are suited to being outgoing and stuff but i don't think you have to be there were definitely a lot of um epicers that were not as outgoing that thrived and did well they had their small close group of friends because when you get there at least through epic i don't know about any other program but through epic we had this like week-long orientation where we were shoved in a dormitory of a, a, a university mine was in Jeonju, which actually worked out well because that's where most of my friends from college were from so i got to see a bunch of people during the orientation you had a roommate but you don't have a roommate the rest of the time and so you, you all get to know each other you all recognize people, you know, it's kind of like an incoming class, Mm -hmm. if you think of it that way. And so the fall 2012 intake is my my class, so to speak. And so we all we all recognize each other. And we all know each other. And some of them you become close friends with and others, you know, you know them by name and because you were in orientation together. So it just kind of it kind of depends. And it it's not necessarily about your personality per se, it's about what you want out of the experience. So even if you are more of an introvert, as long as you have an open mind about the culture and the living experience, then you're still going to have a great time. So talk a little bit about the culture and the language. Like, did you have a you said you studied Japanese and then you decided to go to Korea. Like, did you end up learning a ton of Korean while you were there or how did that work out? Well, when I had met my Korean friends when I was in university, I started to uh, self-teach myself Korean. To be perfectly honest, I learned more Korean after I came back from <laughs> Korea. And that was because the school that I was at 
they wanted me to speak English. Mm. They wanted their students to be exposed to English as much as possible, even if it was just them walking into the teacher's office and hearing teachers communicating in English. I didn't really use a lot of Korean while I was there. And the little bit of Korean that I did use was, you know, for shopping. You know, how much is this or what size is this or, you know, is this... Is this ketchup or is this ketchup? Because <laughs> that's a good question to ask. But I mean, Korean, to be perfectly honest, is probably one of the easiest languages to initially learn. I learned how to read and write Korean in about two hours, and I have never forgotten that. Hmm. Um, that being said, I don't necessarily always know what I am reading, <laughs> <laughs> but their written language is specifically created for the Korean language. Because prior to that, they were using Chinese characters, which were adopted from China mm-hmm. as in Japan and stuff like that. So it was definitely when when they came around and they created this, it was specifically so that they could have their population be literate. So Korea has one of the highest literacy rates in the world, too. So it's it's a very easy language to learn initially. And as with any language, it takes time to become fluent. Mm-hmm. So was it... A huge culture shock like you you went to this university you got a little bit of a primer and then you were shipped off to your school how how did that go I'm a farm girl and I was stationed out in a rural area so I was in heaven oh. <laughs> um but that being said it is it definitely was a there was definitely some cultural shocks I think I was better prepared for it because I studied the culture before going there as an anthro- like as part of my anthropology degree, not just I'm watching videos and things like that. Like I actually studied the meaning behind a lot of the cultural aspects of it. So I, I was prepared to understand how they communicate and like their mentality, but that still doesn't necessarily prepare you 100%. It is very different. There's aspects where like in Seoul, it's just another big city. It's like any other big city in in the world, and you can attest to that because you were there with me at one point. But at the same time, it's still very different. I mean, come on, delivery McDonald's, that's just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and the scooters driving up and down the streets on the sidewalks, you know, to get where they're going. Um, People walking into you because it's crowded and not saying, excuse me, or I'm sorry. Because that's just what they do. So what is the worst part about living abroad? Missing home. For me, for me personally, it was, it was missing my mom, my friends, my dog, my, he was my fiance at the time. Now he's my husband, but you know, um, and the difficulty in communicating with them because of the time difference. With Korea particularly, the time difference is very drastic. Same thing with Japan. It's like, when I'm awake, you guys are sleeping mm-hmm. and vice versa. So it's like, either I'd, ha- I'd have to stay up really late to do Skype chats or something with my friends and family, or I'd have to wake up very, very early. So it was that was probably the most difficult part for me. But I know a lot of other expats that were, they missed the food. They missed what they felt were the common courtesies mm-hmm. of, of America or their home country. Because, I mean, there were people from England and from Ireland and from South Africa and Australia and New Zealand that were teaching there, too. And the size of the bugs scared me. <laughs> 
That's mm-hmm. not something you think about, like, whoa, that's a bug. <laughs> like I said, I grew up on the farm. Mm-hmm. You know, out in middle rural Minnesota. I mean, you were there for part of it. You know exactly how you know, there's bugs, right? Mosquitoes and bees buzzing around and spiders every now and then. When you are in a classroom full of high school girls and you have six or seven wasps the size of two of my thumbs put together buzzing around, I'd like to see you try and keep your cool. (laughs) (laughs) So then, okay, how did you keep yourself positive when you were away from the comforts of home, away from your loved ones, away from all of that stuff? Like, how did you keep yourself positive and keep yourself going? I would watch Korean dramas or I'd go out for a hike. I lived in a very rural area called Yongyang, and um, it's basically this itty-bitty little village surrounded by mountains. And so I would just go explore the area. And being in nature for me personally was definitely a way to calm myself. Got to see a lot of things. Or I met some really cool people towards the end of my tenure there um, in Saudi and her husband, Stephen. So I'd go to Andong, which was about an hour bus ride away to to visit them if I had if I felt this need to have something familiar and so that was that's kind of what I did but to be honest I've never had physical places or physical things mean to me like home it's always been people Mm -hmm. so a lot of times I would just shoot off an email or shoot off a text message or something to my mom or to Dom and go to bed knowing that in the morning there would be a message waiting for me and that would often Um, calm a lot of my anxiety and stuff like that with it. Tell me a little bit about your side trips. You just mentioned that you went to Andong, you traveled to Seoul. Like, how'd you pick the places? How'd you pick the transportation? Go over how you make travel a part of your life while you're living abroad. In Korea, it's extremely easy to travel by bus. I Bus and train do it. That's pretty much all you need. Um, in Seoul, the subway system gets you pretty much anywhere you need to go. And from there, if you need to go a little bit further, there's buses. And they're cheap. They're not overly expensive. And it's convenient. And it's comfortable in a lot of cases. You know, business class and some of the domestic flights in here, they've got the nice big seats. Well, most of the buses from Myeongyang to Andong and then from Andong to Seoul are those style seats. So there's these big seats that recline. You're like, yeah. What made me choose different places was Seoul was easy because I had friends going to school there and it did have some of the comforts of home. So there were like McDonald's, which I actually never ate at. I always went to the Taco Bell and Home Day. So I have this weird relationship with Taco Bell now. (laughs) But like Gyeongju, I went to Gyeongju because it has a lot of really cool historical places, historical sites. And when I went to Gyeongju for the first time, it was over Buddha's birthday weekend, which was probably the dumbest idea on the planet because the temple was so crowded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I thought I was in the middle of Seoul because I was, like, trying to sh- shoulder my way through things, but it was still beautiful. Um, I decided to stay in hostels or guest houses while I was there because it was much cheaper. Yeah, how... So you decided to stay in, like, basically cheap accommodation. And the guest houses and hostels in Korea are very different, at least reputation-wise, than what I've heard about European hostels. The hostels in Korea are very clean, very organized. There's a lot of options for private rooms, although I never did those because it was just me, and why would I spend more money on that? 
when I went to Gyeongju, I had stayed in this dormitory room and three other girls were there um, that were friends that were doing a, a weekend celebration type thing. And they didn't really speak much English. And my Korean was very limited at the time. And so they invited me to go with them, which made it so much easier to visit all of the things that I wanted to see because mm-hmm. they had a car. Yep. <laughs> but it was a very fun and interesting day of trying to use Google Translate <laughs> <laughs> to, to c- complete sentences, essentially. Like they would use a word or two that they knew and I would use a word or two that I knew. And then we would try and put them together and then fill in the blanks with Google Translate. And it worked out great. Um, we had a great time. Um, I follow a couple of them on Facebook and Kakao Talk, Kakao Story, which is um, Korea's like instant messenger. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely amazing. I did most of my traveling by myself, and that's how I made friends in a lot of cases. So I would just go by myself and then hang out with whoever's at the hostel. Again, you're a very gregarious person. Like You just walk up to people and say hi to them. I know from experience that's how you met me. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, like, what are some tips for, for actually doing that for people who are not as good at that or people who have like had their same friend group for years and years and then find it very scary, even if they are an outgoing person, very scary to just walk up to a random Korean person and be like, be my friend. Just do it. I mean, that's, it sounds very cheesy, but really to be perfectly honest, that's, that's the best way to do it is just take a deep breath and jump off you know if if you're lost you know you'd be surprised how many koreans are willing to help english is a mandatory subject in pretty much all korean schools and have been for like the last 20 years so they all know something of english and they get so delighted with you just going up and saying hello in korean going annyeonghaseyo and then you kind of be like uh I'm Miguk, which means American, uh, lost, you know, saying simple things like that. They're trying, just showing that, that desire to communicate. They're just like, oh my God, a foreigner's talking to me. This is so cool. I'm petrified, but this is so cool. <laughs> and, you know, and, and they, they do what they can to help you. A really good example of that is when I was in Seoul for New Year's. It was snowing. I was lost out of my mind. I had no freaking clue where I was. And it and it's snowing hard. <laughs> and this little old man, I mean, like, had to be in his 80s, hunched over with a little cane, comes walking by. And I'm, I'm on my phone. And I've got, like, I'm looking at my phone going, okay, trying to decipher the map that's in front of me. He comes over and he taps me on the shoulder. And he goes, Chogyo, which is like, excuse me. I'm like, oh, he's like, you lost? <laughs> and I go, oh, yay, yay. Uh, and I point to my phone to show him where I want to go. And he he points to me, and then he points to him, and then he does the follow me hand gesture. And I go, okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's probably not the wisest idea. If you think about it, like looking back, you don't just follow random people, (laughs) but I did. And he led me straight to the subway station, which is what I was looking for. And he points to the map and he goes, you here. 
And then he points to where I want to go and he goes, you go. (laughs) (laughs) And then he like draws on the, the map, the route that I need to take, you know, and he gives me this big smile and I go, Oh, thank you. And I say, um, bowing a couple times, you know, and he totters off into the distance in his, with his little cane. And I, that was probably the best example, the, the best moment, like individual moment when I was there where I really knew that I could, I could actually do this. <laughs> people are generally good people and you should just trust that. And then if they don't want anything to do with you, then that's okay. You're yeah. going to find someone else to go hang out with. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite place you've ever been? I mean, if you say Korea, I might barf, but I mean, it's okay. Be specific. Okay. You want you want specific. Okay. Yeah. What's the best place you've ever traveled to? It is in Korea, but I'm going to give you a specific. Okay. 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 So no barfing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, when I was in Gwangju, I went to this like temple. Now I did this in January. This was part of my January vacation, my uh, winter vacation. I went to Gwangju and I went, um, which was actually very difficult to get to from Mandong. But there was this temple up this mountain and you had to hike to it. For whatever reason, the hike up and the hike back. And then it's not a big temple. It's this itty bitty temple. It's not big at all. It was like maybe four buildings Mm -hmm. that were small, which is small for a temple, a Buddhist temple in Korea. The, The views that it had overlaying this the mountains and stuff and then you walk you hike down this path and the way the sun just kind of shone through everything kind of gave that this really interesting haze you know almost like a dreamlike feeling and that was probably my most favorite place that I've traveled to Hawaii is a close second but that <laughs> that that was a pretty pretty amazing experience because again, I was traveling by myself. I didn't do this with other people. Most of my epic friends had their own plans with other other people that they had made these plans ahead of time. I'm the fly by the seat of my pants type of person. And so, oh, okay, you guys got plans? Cool, I'm going this way. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, for someone who's a fly by the seat of their pants person... What is your biggest travel hack? Like it can be what you pack, it can, like kind of go over, especially when you're doing these smaller trips and you just kind of went with your backpack. Like what's your what's your go-to travel backpack hack? Extra underwear. <laughs> okay. I mean, excellent, <laughs> but- excellent, perfectly good point. <laughs> Don't overpack. If it's only going to be a couple days, you really only need one pair of pants and maybe two shirts. Mm-hmm. Pack a rain jacket pack a hat you don't necessarily need gloves unless it's winter Mm -hmm. but you know if you pack a rain jacket you pack a hat pack an extra pair of underwear too because if it rains you're going to get soaked Mm -hmm. and while you're letting your pants dry a dry pair of underwear is delightful other than that you know pack light and and just go just grab the first things off your thing and go and don't care how you look mm-hmm. because I just, I traveled with t-shirts and a pair of jeans or a pair of shorts if it was summer because man, is it humid in Korea in summer. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of my trips were weekend trips. So it was a backpack with a couple extra shirts 
small travel size shampoo conditioner. So you came back, you taught, you love teaching so much that you taught for a while online. Mm -hmm. And then how do you satisfy your wanderlust while you're living in the States? Because you can't, I mean, you and I both know that we would be traveling constantly if that was an option. But how do you how do you satisfy that? I'm exploring locally. So um, I live in the Reno Tahoe area. Um, so taking a trip up to Tahoe or finding hiking trails or visiting Virginia City. Dom and I want to go back to Genoa, which is just outside of Carson, kind of more towards the South Lake part of Lake Tahoe. Going to Apple Hill, we pay a lot of attention to the events in our area on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the ones that we're interested in, that's where we go. And that's kind of how I've been satiating my, my wanderlust doesn't always work, but it does a decent job most of the time. So what's your biggest tip for people looking to either live abroad, travel abroad, or go into an EPIC program? Like what what do you suggest doing first? My first suggestion is learn a little bit about where you're going. And not just like the places to see, but like actually dig into the history a little bit because that shapes a lot of how they react to foreigners. Understand that if you are a white person going to Japan and you are six foot tall, you are going to be stared at and don't take it personally (laughs) (laughs) because they're all relatively short Mm -hmm. and they all look the same. To us, at least, not necessarily to them, but to us. Understand that and don't take it personally. Um, That was probably my biggest pet peeves in Korea with um, expats that would get offended, things like that. And it's like, you can't. They don't, you're not part of their culture. You're something very different to them and you're in their country. (laughs) So I'm sorry, but get over yourself. (laughs) It's not, it's not personal. It's just, you're, you're an oddity. I mean, I was looked at a lot. It was really funny when, when we were in Korea with you and my husband Mm -hmm. and they would look to Dominic because he's, he's part Asian. Mm -hmm. So they would look to him to speak Korean and then he would point to me and I'd start speaking Korean and they'd look at, (laughs) they'd be like, what is going on? You know, but you're the Asian one. (laughs) Exactly. You know, be open and do a little bit of research. Understand if you're going to stick out because of how you look. Understand that. You don't have to change yourself, but understand that and understand that you're going to get looks. Understand that they don't do things the same way that we do and embrace it. You know, give it a shot. If you don't like it, well, you didn't like it, (laughs) you know, but you tried. So what is the biggest thing you learned either about yourself or about traveling when you were living abroad? You have to be flexible and you have to be open. Going off of that, you know, my schedule teaching, they would say I was doing one thing and five minutes before that thing was supposed to start, they'd change it because of whatever reason. Or the bus that I wanted to take was canceled. And if you have to be flexible, you have to be. Otherwise, the best laid plans will never happen. And then being open because you're in a place that's not like your own. Of course, of course, things are gonna be different. And if you're not open to them being different, then you're going to have a really hard time. All right. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for talking to Grilled Cheese and Gin. Where can we find you on the internet? Instagram. You can find me at Instagram at Ronnie Jung. So R-A-N-N-I-J-U-N-G. You can find me on Twitter, Ronnie28. R-A-N-N-I-2-8. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is so much fun. I always like, even though I've hear, heard the majority of your stories, you are always come up with something new to tell me. <laughs> There's always something new to say.
part of the show where we talk about a problematic favorite. Why it's possibly problematic and how we cope when something we love doesn't align with our values. So, Jessica, (laughs) are you looking forward to the Game of Thrones premiere? I am super looking forward to it. I, I completely ask that. With a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I have never, <laughs> I have never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I'm a part of internet <laughs> culture, so I know what it is. My friend Will lent me a Song of Ice and Fire before Game of Thrones started to come out. I read four pages. So go on. Tell me why you're excited about the Game of Thrones premiere. I, uh, a couple years ago, or no, I guess last year, we decided that we needed to catch up, uh, you know, get in with this whole thing that's so big in the culture. And as with so many shows, I sometimes I feel like I have a negative ability to spot a trend because I will watch it. I'll be like, I'll take it, be taken in by a commercial or a, a preview. And then I'll watch the first episode and I'll be like, whoa, that's terrible. <laughs> like I watched the first episode of Seinfeld and was like, I don't get it. <laughs> and then they blew up into this crazy big thing. And it's same thing. There was another show that I liked. Uh crap out of Canada. I can't remember the name of it. And I also watched the first episode and was like, uh, I'm not sure I understand. And then the second episode, I was like, Oh, my God, this is hilarious. And I watched every single episode. Oh, slings and arrows is what it was called. It was about a an actor and a theater company in um, in Canada. Uh, so Game of Thrones. Similarly, I watched the first episode and was like so many people so much going on so much costume. Uh, I don't know. That was like two years ago. And then last year we were like, all right, we got to knuckle down. We got to watch this. <laughs> it's time. This is TV. Uh, this is what everybody is talking about. If you're in the TV business, we have to watch this show. Twist my arm. Watch TV. So we did. We watched like the full, what are we on? Six season six now, I guess. Or is this seven? I don't know. We watched all the episodes there were to watch mm. in like four months. And then I always get into that like, oh my God, you have, you know, you become addicted to having this crazy storyline going like constant, this drumbeat going on in your head. So it was a little difficult after we finished to actually get to the, uh, to wait (laughs) for the actual premiere like a week later. So problematic part of it. I mean, this has been covered so much in the media. The women, the way the women are uh, treated in the show the way women are naked in this show. There is no parody in penises. Mm. I am sure that this is not their fault. I am sure that like our country has like laws that penises are completely obscene, um, but breasts are just kind of uh, titillating and it's just okay. Tits are titillating. Sort of, <laughs> yeah, tits are titillating, but penises, that's going too far. So yeah, there's no parody in that. There's there are some male butts, and there are certainly a lot of storylines um, that have a lot of parody. Uh, see, have some a lot of parody with it's not just straight white male storylines. And certainly there are a lot of power mm-hmm. women in this show. This season is going to particularly going to be a lot of women ha- are have power mm-hmm. in this season, and a lot is resting on their the things that they decide and make changes so we we've yet to see how much that 
actually comes into fruition, like if they actually do turn the story on them and how their different ambitions play out. Certainly people are a lot more clothed this season because winter is coming. <laughs> um, so it's cold. Oh my so God. They're wearing a lot more clothes than they, they have been in past seasons when, you know, it's summery and warm and there's a lot of side boob. But is it like, okay, I was under the impression, and this is coming from somebody who just gets snippets here and there of like, like I have no idea, but I was under the impression that like, this was a very matriarchal, thing where there were a lot of females in power and most of most of it was centered on female um empowerment and all of these women were coming into their own in this show like yes that is absolutely true but that is not the way the show started out this big walk that uh is known as some some of the best television ever Cersei the big major one of the major queens is arrested by uh, a religious group and then made to have a walk of shame, except that it's in front of all these, all the townspeople. She is stripped of her clothes and she is walked down the street with all people like throwing moldy lettuce and tomatoes at her and yelling shame, 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 making her feel really bad for all of her abuses of money and power and um, treatment of people. I'm not a, I'm not a feminist scholar, so I can't really speak to it, but um, parody isn't the most important thing, like parody of nakedness. I, I'm, I don't mean to lean so hard on that, but it is just one example of, you know, here's a woman that was, you know, so incredibly shamed, but she's a woman and she's stripped naked and she is shamed. Like there's just not, there's one character who is, well, okay, there is one character who is shamed, but he's not shamed publicly. So people are, people are shamed in their most private parts, but it's a difference, a difference in public and private, I guess. That could be one, that could be one thing that's problematic in it. And I just know that I, I watched a prominent feminist scholars YouTube video as a, actually it was a, a Ted talk and she was saying how she loved uh, Game of Thrones and it was a guilty pleasure. But by the end of her talk, she was like, yeah, as feminists, we should not be watching that show. We shouldn't be supporting it if we actually believe in it. And I was like, huh, I don't know. I think I'd, I I thought about that for a long time. And then I just I come down on the side of it. Like, it's a problematic favorite. As a consumer of media, we should be responsible to think about the messages that it's enforcing or that it's repeating or like the assumptions that it's coming from or that people talk about when they appreciate things like that. Especially as creative artists, we have to be sure that we're not propagating those same assumptions or messages. Well, and we hope that the creators of that media are going to challenge those assumptions on some level. Like, it's not that they're saying that this is how you should treat people, especially with their shame goes directly to your genitals. Like, how how is that cor- like a correct assumption? And I again, I know nothing about this show. <laughs> we hope that they're not reinforcing these that they're taking a stand on something and that they're saying hey this is this is something that we do in our society and probably that's wrong like i i think people yeah. i think people when they consume media just at face value kind of miss the point of why things are are generally shown to people because usually what what the creator is saying is not hey look 
this is this is how to publicly shame a person. It's not like a like a to do list. It's more of a yeah. Hey, look, when we shame women, we are public about it and we make them walk naked down the street, basically. What? But when we shame men, it's done done completely privately in a separate part of the castle, you know. And yeah, they get like a similar shame treatment, but everybody had to be a part of her shame and everybody got to take a slash at her. Whereas he kind of went to this other other room and and got it taken care of. And yes, he lost his penis, but well, no one knows about it or no one has to know about it or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. Like, I I do think that there are definitely people who are going to be like, well, yeah, I mean, women, when they uh, get too big for their britches and they start wearing fancy clothes, uh, they should be taken down a peg publicly. And we should all... Uh, we should all, you know, be fine with that, uh, that those women deserve it or, whoa, there's just lots of boobs. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of boob. And you just feel like, really? Penis like, parody. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, it just, it feels very gratuitous. This all sounds terrible. You're not selling this show to me at all. <laughs> it's terrible. And that's the thing is that. Uh, everyone gets so in this New York Times article this weekend, the actress Lena Headley, who plays Cersei, and they ask her about, you know, the scene where she's walking naked through the streets because of this shame, this religious right, I guess, that's happening to her. Um, she's like, yeah, but, you know, people got really upset about that and that I, and that I took a body double. Um, but I just like I kind of surprising what people get upset about because they they were going to get upset about that. But then there just wasn't really the backlash about Shireen being burned to death. And, and it's true. Like I like wailed with sorrow when that happened. But I didn't necessarily go this show once. St- I, I, well, I did think like that is one step too far. But I was like, all right, fine. That's a choice, I guess. And then I, <laughs> I don't know. I just was like, I guess that's a choice in the story. All right, fine. <laughs> Burn a child. I didn't, in the same way that, like, when some of the other stuff happened, I was like, oh, my God. Really? But but just like I, yeah, it's definitely problematic. But just like I can make every problematic thing, like, find a reason why it's good and able to to help us learn, like, oh, well, maybe they're talking about, you know, this really... Uh, the the culture of shame and they're saying oh this is what we shouldn't do there are always going to people be like oh well this is exactly how culture is and this is exactly what we should do yay i'm being validated like let's everybody have a conversation (laughs) (laughs) so i am i'm just excited because to hear that to see the story and how it progresses and if they if these women do get to pay off uh, or how these stories for these women pay off in order to save the world, <laughs> their weird ass compromises of power have to be satisfied. So what you're saying is this is a total parody of what's going on in the world. And like climate change is definitely going to kill us all and wipe us all out. But we're all bickering in our different power struggles. But somehow the power struggles have to be resolved in order for us to all come together and deal with climate change. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is exactly. <laughs> I what knew is that Game here. of Thrones had a good way to, to look at it. I knew it. <laughs> On to 
the sandwich making portion of this show today. <laughs> today I'm going to tell you about uh, this amazing caprese grilled cheese sandwich that um, Aubrey had at the Sheridan Room, which is a little um, bar and ice cream place slash sandwich shop. And they're famous for their chicken. It's a weird place. Um, <laughs> it's a very cool, weird restaurant in Minneapolis. <laughs> so this caprese grilled cheese is exactly how you think it would say, think it would be. But here we go. Let me let me describe it to you. So you take your sourdough bread. You butter both sides, obviously, because that that we know is exactly how you make a grilled cheese sandwich. Um, it had mozzarella on it. And then instead of making a pesto, which is what I usually find in Caprese grilled cheese sandwiches, they actually just laid the basil in the sandwich. And they took um, these tiny little cherry tomatoes and cut them in half and laid those in there, grilled it. And it was so delightful because you didn't have a giant tomato to contend with, which is sometimes a problem with grilled cheese sandwiches. It was ooey gooey from the mozzarella and you had these like really big pops of basil. And I don't know, like, I feel like they pulled off magic because I feel like if I were to make that at home, I would like burn the basil or it would get like, I wouldn't be able to get it all to happen. But yeah, Yeah. I guess if you chop the basil, um, uh, not chop the basil, but like cut the basil small enough to be bite sized. Cut the tomatoes small enough to be bite sized. Um, yeah, you can have an excellent, fabulous caprese grilled cheese sandwich. And yeah, tell me if you make it. Hey, everybody. We hope you are enjoying your grilled cheese and gin podcast. For the next three weeks, from July 20th to August 3rd, 2017, we are launching our first Patreon. If you give just $1 to put some butter on our bread, we will mention you in future episode credits. Also, please rate us and review us on iTunes and tell all your friends about us by tweeting and sharing us on all your favorite social media. Thanks to travel apps, hotel toiletries, and cheese on demand. I mean, they aren't actually sponsors, but we do like them. Thanks to Jacob and Aubrey for their support of our changeable dreams. Thanks to our guests, Megan, for talking with us and all of her insights. Thanks to Scott Haskin for his music. Thanks to Cassie, our producer for Crackin' That Whip, and for all the art of grilled cheese and gin. If you like this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, and we will give you a great, big, consensual interweb hug. You can also email us your questions or your thoughts and comments at grilledcheeseandgin at gmail.com. You can also follow us uh, on our website, grilledcheeseandgin.com. Twitter, Grilled Cheese Gin, G-R-I-L-L-E-D-C-H-E-Z-G-I-N. Pinterest, which is Grilled Cheese and Gin. Facebook, which is Grilled Cheese and Gin. Also, each of us are starting up our individual podcast shortly, so keep an ear out for info about those. Join us next week to talk about schoolwork, taking classes, helping you with your thesis, and help you with your life. Our guest will be Amanda This episode is brought to you by Cheese On Demand, the app where you can request cheese delivery in 10 minutes or less, and someone will bring you a chunk of delicious cheese to your door. Unfortunately, this app does not yet exist. All right.
We did it. Woohoo! Feel free to edit anything that I have said yeah. today. No, yeah. All of it. <laughs> uh, cut all of it if you want. Doesn't I don't need to be in this one at all. <laughs>